head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 292 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. The Pod God. And today's episode of the Severe Man Podcast is sponsored and presented by Manscaped. If you're looking for the ultimate stocking suffers for the holiday season, look no further because our sponsors, Manscaped, have the tools to make you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the only brand dedicated to blow the way grooming and hygiene products. And great news, they just released their products across Europe, Canada, Australia, UK and Ireland. An absolutely great product. Um, I know myself and, and Graham have had them, and, and I, I know if Andy hasn't yet, but I'll, uh, I'll ask you here in a second. But uh, I, I'm the the I have the shaver here. Where is it? What is here? It is uh, like I haven't charged this yet, and it's still going. And I have it like six weeks now, so it's um, it's absolutely brilliant. I love their mints as well. Try out their mints. Like, I don't know. They're really, really they're inexpensive. Try out their mints. Their uh, their underwear is really good as well. So. Um, a few of their products uh, that are really, uh, you know, good for the, the holiday season as well. If you want to get them for yourself, if you want to get them as presents. Uh, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. Name speaks for itself. Crop Reviver Ball Toner. Spray on that. will give your balls a little slice of heaven. Maybe a couple of hours after a shower or something like that. Crop Cleanser Body Wash. Full body wash for the shower. Uh, that you can also use in your hair. The Crop Mop Ball Wipes. You've never uh, known when an opportunity strikes. And you always need to be prepared. The Foot Dust or Foot Deodorant. Designed for the stankiest feet. Uh, the Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece uh, nail kit. They also have the Weed Whacker for the nose and hair. Uh, with the priority skin safe technology to get rid of those nasty nose hairs. And let's not forget about the best trimmer for your butt, balls and body. Which I just had out there. The Lawnmower 3.0. So that, uh, the, it's available with the, the ceramic blade and the advanced skin safe as well. Uh, which helps reduce grooming grooming accent so um these formulations are all vegan free cruelty free dye free sulfate free and paraben free if that's your sort of thing uh so you know the products are legit so you can get 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code severe mma and you'll be helping us out too so what it is for your partner dad brother friend get them something that they'll actually use and you get a bit of laugh out of as well so get 20 percent off free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code severe mma it'll be the ballsiest gift you'll get this year severe mma promo code at manscaped.com and this week's uh, podcast is also brought to you by joe and sefs so it's gourmet popcorn I was my, my friend Mo's over in the True Balls podcast if anyone was watching it the other day I pulled out his popcorn and he was like don't buy this because you'll only eat loads of it because <laughs> it's absolutely delicious so for the snack around Christmas and maybe uh, at this stage you know, if you're ordering from maybe the the new year to to, to, uh, to ring it in uh, go over to Joseph's and if you go as well it, it's Joseph's dot ie Joseph's dot uk if you're over in the uk or if you just go to severemail.com forward slash popcorn it'll redirect you to that website so severemail 
gmail.com forward slash popcorn. Uh, you can get 10% off your order with the code SEAN10 today. Uh, and it's a perfect Christmas snack. They have uh, popcorn advent calendars. It might be a little bit late for that, but sure, if you want to, to buy them and break them out, <laughs> it'll be all right. They have beer and whiskey flavors for the lads, if that's your sort of thing. Uh, salted caramel flavors and lots of sweet ones for the, the girlfriends or the, the sisters or the mothers, whoever it might be. And a great stocking filler as well. So use the code SEAN10 for 10% off your order at joeandsefs.co.uk or joeandsefs.ie. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's it. Promo code SEAN10, S-E-A-N-1-0 uh, at joeandsefs.com. Joined today by... Andy Stevenson to uh, talk about you know the biggest cards from the the last couple of nights. There was a lot of fights over the last couple of nights. Obviously, the Cage Warriors trilogy. We had uh, the UFC and all that. But let's start with the I think the biggest card of the of the, of the weekend. Andy Bellator two five. Four. <laughs> no, I'm not not really. Uh, UFC two five six. Um, I know you're uh, you're watching back a bit of them there, uh, and we were we were watching them into the late late last night. After doing the fucking Zoom and I had the true balls. Well, that, apologies for my voice as well, because my voice is absolutely gone. But, um, look, there's a lot to be discussed. We, we'll start with the UFC, because I suppose that's the, the clearest in our mind at the moment. Um, we had a... It was a fantastic card, to be honest. Uh, I thought from uh, from bottom to top. The main event, Davidson Figueiredo versus Brandon Moreno. What, what, before I give my thoughts, what what were your overall thoughts on the the fight itself? Maybe not the decision so much, but the the actual fight. Did you, did you think it was up there as a fight of the year contender? Um, uh, I, I yeah, I mean, I could see an argument being made for it. I don't. I probably wouldn't have it as the fight of the year. That then again, I offhand at the. I can't think of another fight offhand just because probably have watched it like way too many fights in yeah, the last. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But um, I mean, it was. I thought it was a fantastic fight. I thought Figueredo was just putting it, putting it on Moreno early, um, and I was surprised that Moreno lasted uh, the full five rounds. But every single time that he seemed to be hurt, he, he would throw back and get a takedown or uh, do something to kind of um, quell the danger and and then impose his own will. So I mean, I, I thought Figueredo won, um, but I mean, yeah, it was a great, good fight, great fight. Yeah, look. Like, uh... I, I would agree with everything you said there. Look, if the, the point hadn't been taken away, Figueredo would have won. So I think that kind of makes uh, you know a lot a lot of sense for a lot of people watching that fight. It was a classic case, I think, of a fight where the underdog did really well and everyone thought, oh, it's a close fight and he must be winning. Where for the first three rounds, okay, the, the first two rounds were, were relatively close. He definitely lost the first. All three judges gave it to him. The second round... Uh, look, he got a few takedowns. He did a bit of damage and stuff, but I don't think it was enough. I think, uh, I think Figueiredo did it. One judge, uh, Saldamato, gave it to uh, to Moreno. It was one of those rounds where if it went the other way, I, I'm not going to complain about it too much. I th- yeah, I thought the second round was pretty clearly yeah, Figueiredo's round. The, the third round as well was the, was a funny one because the third round was the round with the. Um, with the point deduction, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, the at the end of the third round, I remember tweeting that twenty nine twenty seven. So. The thing about that round is, in the and I'm not going to shit in the commentary here too much because I, I promised yesterday I wouldn't do it and I'm just going to leave it. But after that third round, they were talking about like the the uh, the, the scoring and they said, "Oh, uh, Moreno might be ahead. You know, Moreno could be up twenty. What is it? Twenty nine, twenty seven, or whatever it might be, or it might be a draw, or whatever it might be." So. It was just a ludicrous thing to say, really, because he'd probably lost the first two rounds, uh, 
and also before the the dick kick, Figueredo was well ahead, and it's it's just lucky we have judges that can remember what happened before, are taking notes, and can add up. So, like I know people think that judges haven't a clue what they're doing and are totally incompetent, but trust me, the vast majority of them are taking notes, and actually their actual job is to remember what actually happened in the round and not the second someone gets kicked in the dick start laughing with their buddy alongside them and forget what happened beforehand so there you go that and all three of them gave uh figueredo the third round the fourth round in was one of those rounds i think every one of them gave it to moreno so very consistent there and in the fifth round it was it was um june uh, junichiro camillo gave it to to moreno and the other two gave it to figueredo now, that, in that fifth round, and we'll get into the fight more and, and what happened to it as well, but in that fifth round, uh, Moreno hurt his left arm, it looked like. He said afterwards it was uh, his shoulder was out. So I thought Figueroa won that round pretty well. And one judge gave it to uh, to Moreno. If Figueroa had been given that round by that one judge, he would have won the fight. Do you, like, do you think that's do you think that's poor judging? Or what way, what way did you see the fifth round? Um. I gave the fifth round to Figueiredo. Um, mm-hmm. t- like I, I definitely thought as the fight went on that Moreno was having more success. Like I had, I had scored the fourth round definitely for Moreno. Um, I probably need to watch the fifth back again to be honest. I, um, yeah, like I, I thought the Figueiredo did enough. Uh, I thought he landed the more damaging shots. I thought that throughout the fight, to be honest, he was landing the way more impactful strikes. So um, I gave him the fifth, but again, I, I wouldn't be. Uh, I'd need to watch it again. I think mm-hmm. to to really have a. Um, a, a very strong opinion one way or the other I think a lot of the time like I watch like take for, with judging as well just as a side point I know you kind of talk a lot about judging on the podcast and stuff mm-hmm. like that and, and maybe people are sick of it but you really can look at a fight a different way when you watch it back or or yeah. <laughs> like that Paul Hughes uh, Jordan yeah, Ruchetti we'll fight that, yeah. we'll get to that <laughs> later on but like I scored that differently the second time than I did watching it live so um yeah, I think people kind of need to just relax a bit and then going back and watch a fight maybe. And, and yeah, okay, like there there are some bad scores out there. And Chris Lee again with a, a bizarre scorecard and the mm. fight nice. But um, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be screaming uh, robbery or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there isn't was no robbery anyway because it was a majority draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think as uh, as Brad Wharton said on the the Cage Warriors commentary, leave it to the professionals. So yeah, I w- I would tend to agree with that as well. But as a fight itself, it was it was a uh, a really good fight in terms of like the action. You know, it was a very action filled fight. Even though Moreno, like I at the, the halfway point or the the three round point of the fight, I remember thinking to myself, this is one of those fights where everyone thinks it's a lot closer than it actually is, but it's really exciting, really fun, and everyone be calling it as like fight of the year. And it probably, you know, it probably isn't. But with that point being taken away, it made it. It didn't make it a thirty twenty seven fight anymore. It made it two points of a difference between them. And then we the fourth and fifth obviously came with the the fourth for uh, for Moreno and the fifth for Figueroa. Like it's a it's a weird I think one. Like the, the final two rounds mm-hmm. are probably fight. Like if the the full fight was like the championship rounds would yeah. be fight of the year. Like like and I would say it probably would be the fight of the year. Although the fifth um, round wasn't. The fifth, like Moreno, threw almost nothing in the fifth round because he was so hurt, and Figueredo was kind of standing back as well. The fifth round wasn't like a classic round, I don't think. Yeah, true. I think, like, I think this is a little bit of an overrated fight. I'm not gonna, I'm not now. I sound like the fucking Grinch here, but like, it was a really, really, really great fight. But yeah, I do you think like uh, people just kind of thought that Figueredo would have yeah. a, an easier time, mm-hmm. um, and because Moreno did a lot better than 
people's expectations. Um, yeah. They, like it was kind of seen as, oh, wow, this is an, an incredible fight. Mm-hmm. It was like fucking Acting and Stanley playing Liverpool or something. And, you know, they, they took him to a draw or took him to extra time or something like that. That's kind of, that was the vibe of this more That's than. That's harsh now. <sighs> I don't think well maybe not accurate to say but maybe fucking Aston Villa when they beat him 7-2 or something like that but like it it this wasn't you know Man City versus Liverpool or something like that you know it, it, I don't think it was that in terms of a fight itself I don't think it was like if you think about it I think everyone agreed Figueiredo won the first three rounds yeah and he won the fifth round like Figueiredo won the fight 4-1 and okay he got a point taken away but like you know, if you think about it that way, which I think you agree with that, don't you? He won the first three rounds and he won the fifth round. Yeah, I had that. Yeah, so like it's not that actually close of a fight if you think about it. To be honest, I don't, I don't think a draw was necessarily the the right result. Like the draw was great because I wanted to see a rematch and it was so fun and all. But the, to get away from the scoring for a second, I thought Moreno fought a great fight against someone like Figueiredo. Like Figueiredo is, I, I talked about it earlier in the week, and myself and Graham talked about it in the betting show. Like, how would Moreno? get this to be a fight that he could win and i think it was all out aggression i said and graham was kind of saying about the cardio get it to get it to the late rounds and then start land some big shots and you could see in that fourth round which he won he started to land some of those big shots you know actually the fourth round wasn't a million miles away from the 10-8 either so like that it could have been a draw that way so i I take it back but it, it was one of those where moreno gave himself a chance throughout the whole fight even though maybe he wasn't winning throughout the whole fight and Against someone like Figueredo, that's not easy to do, uh, you know, because the, these flyweights, I, I talked about Figueredo after, it was only three weeks ago, uh, but after that fight, that it's very hard to knock out someone like Figueredo, obviously because you're 125 pounds and it's you don't have as hard a hitters down at that weight class, so he knows that he can kind of put his chin out there a little bit more and he can knock you out really well because he's one of those guys who's a knockout artist, knockout artist at that weight class and he has unbelievable submissions and jiu-jitsu and everything like that. So he puts his chin out there to be knocked out. Go out and knock it out, <laughs> you know? And you might have to do it on over three, four, five rounds. Uh, and uh, that, that's what Moreno did. Okay, he didn't pull it off, but he got the draw out of it. So you uh, you can't fault him for that. I, I thought it was... Like, uh, Figueredo came out afterwards and said he had food poisoning the night before and he was in hospital and things, which, you know, look, looking back in the fight, it might change the way we look at it, I suppose. But I thought he fought well in the first three rounds, so I don't think it's, you know, that much of a, of a game-changer for it. But i will be delighted to see the fight again. I, Cody Garbrandt was supposed to be the next guy in line, so I'm not too bothered that he's not getting it. But, uh, fun re- like, who, who would you pick in the rematch? I, I'd pick Figueredo in the rematch, I'd say. Um... Yeah, like I, I don't like I don't think it was that close as you said. Like, like there was definitely like Moreno. I thought he did very, very well, and he had uh, like he landed some massive shots in the fourth round and things like that. And like he did, he had he did a lot better than I expected. But I, I would pick Figueroa again. Um, yeah. Like I think he'd be closing up any holes that maybe were exposed uh, uh, to, by Moreno. So um, I think it, look, I think it's great. I think their flyweight division is is like as always so. Dana White previously talking about closing down the division, like everyone moaning about it, and now they're and okay, maybe it's partly because of the pandemic, but uh, headlining back to back pay per views says or not, maybe not pay per views, sorry, not pay per views, was it? I know it is, yeah, yeah. pay per views, yeah, wasn't, yeah. So, um, I mean, that says a lot, and I think that, um, as always, the flyweights put on a fantastic show. So, anyone who doesn't like them can, um, 
Lick my bum. Yeah, fair enough. I've, I've always been hashtag fly never dies. So I, I would agree with that. You can lick my fucking bum to the bum that has been sculpted by Manscaped. Promo code Severe Man. Uh, one last thing is that I came up with the name Figgy and I love it. And I didn't realize it until yesterday, until I looked it up to see when the first time I tweeted it was. And it was during his UFC debut. So can everyone just like give me credit for that and for the next, uh, you know, ever? Do they not call him Figgy Smalls now? Was it not evolved from your uh, like you may have had Figgy, but then nah, but you, you, did, not, you didn't have nah, Smalls now, so yeah, but not everyone calls him Figgy Smalls. Every, like, everyone calls him Figgy. Everyone like if if you didn't have Figgy, you wouldn't get the rest. You know, you would not get the rest. So it's Figgy. Whoever came up with Figgy, you were like the, the generation that laid the groundwork for uh, the following generation to thrive yeah, on. I was the best generation. Let's be honest here. I was the best generation, and fair play to me, credit to me. You know, it's not for me to write history, not for me to say who was the best, but it was. It but, was but it. People, best. people are saying it. People are saying it. It's not for me to write history, but listen, lad, this is the history I'm telling you. Did I, did I save the flyweight division as well with the hashtag fly never die? That's not for me to say either. That is not for me to say, but we let history decide. Anyway. Um, come here, a question for you now that my brain is slowly starting to wake up today. Yeah. Um, who do you think would win in a fight between Davis and Figueredo and Demetrius Johnson today? There's, today today is a difficult one because where is Demetrius? Like, is he training that hard? He's up at 135 pounds. Does he care about it that much? Like, when was the last time we saw Demetrius Johnson fight? Like, so I don't know. Like, Demetrius, prime Demetrius Johnson against Davis and Figueredo, Demetrius Johnson wins. There's no one beats Demetrius Johnson. But today, I don't know. I don't know. What, what do you think? Have you seen more Demetrius than I have recently? No, I haven't at all, to be honest. I haven't really seen Demetrius. I'm not sure if I've seen him actually fight since... Um, yeah. I think I saw one of his fights like um, after the fact. But mm-hmm. the, the problem with Demetrius, when he... like I think it was Tyron Woodley at the same time. They both did their shoulders, and then it's, you lose a fight after you do your shoulder, and it takes a while to get it back. Like, Demetrius, that Henry Cejudo fight, I, I, look, most people think he still won. The poor performance, I think, because was was because of the shoulder, and then he went into one FC and had a poor enough performance again because of the shoulder, I think. And in the next fight, he was good. So I, I, I don't think I said. I think he said three fights, maybe one, maybe more. But yeah, point yeah, is, DJ, like I feel like the likes of yourself and myself and, and a lot of other people at the time of the Ben Askren trade were like, oh, why are they getting rid of him? And like kind of uh, refuting we right. the, the pay per view draw. And, oh no, we were right, but mm-hmm. um, there the UFC were also a dead right that like do people actually care enough to tune in to Demetrius Johnson like that's, I love that's the UFC's fight, fault though like why didn't the yeah. UFC do exactly what the Dana White was like oh uh, Mick Miner changed the division he made a few tweaks it's like what the, what the tweaks getting rid of the greatest fighter of all time how how shit of a fucking promoter must you be to you have to improve the division by getting rid of the greatest fighter of all time why didn't you build yeah, up no, the I fucking com- division I completely agree I, I completely agree with that but like how many people do you think have actually watched Demetrius Johnson since he left the UFC even though like I think he's one of the greatest fighters I, I think like I personally think he's uh, on a skill basis the best fighter of all time mm-hmm. pound for pound maybe, maybe he's, I don't think he's the greatest fighter of all time but he's the best fighter of all time mm-hmm. yeah but like but like I've, I've, I've barely watched it. like I, I've, I've seen one of his fights after the fact yeah. and maybe it's because it's on one and stuff and it's well, although they they stream to mm-hmm. billions of people around the world, so surely everyone has seen it. Like, that, uh, yeah, but if John Jones went and fought some schlubs out in one FC, who'd care? Like, nobody cared when Eddie Alvarez went out there. Like, oh, you have a few people. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this would care and go out and watch him. But like, the 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 casual fan is not going and watching that. Like, let's just let's be honest. It's not just Demetrius Johnson. Okay, maybe less will watch Demetrius Johnson, but he's never been like a big draw. Just some people are not big draws like that, but. 
it doesn't take away from how great of a fighter he was and how shit of a job they did promoting him. But anyway, look, we get stuck in the flyweights forever. But uh, a really good fight, a really fun fight. Absolutely not fight of the year. I think uh, I think um, Joanna and Whaley still have that in the bag. But we will have the severe May awards here in the next couple of weeks. So we'll see then. Um, Charles Oliveira versus Tony Ferguson. I got fucking stung badly in this because it was like two minutes into the fight and Charles Oliveira had like a takedown and had the mount for a second. And Tony was still fighting, not taking that much damage. And they were, uh, on the commentary, they were like, oh, they were talking about Charles Oliveira and how he was destroying Tony Ferguson and how, what's he going to do next? And I like two minutes into the fight. And I tweeted like, ah, oh, this is an overlads. And then at the end of the round, after he'd fucking broken his arm, they uh, they put up my tweet on screen. And I was like, fuck's sake. Okay, it's over now. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's stayed there for a while as well. <laughs> yeah, they left it there for a while. And you could see Joe Rogan reading it. And I was like, oh, fuck's sake. But uh, yeah, it look, it was one of those fights where I, like, I genuinely think for the first three or four minutes, Tony was kind of biding his time a little bit. But, to, uh, you know, and Charles obviously uh, dominated. But once he got that dominant position, I don't think Tony was panicking there. I actually think he was doing relatively okay while obviously losing the round, you know, in that sort of situation. Like, a little bit like McGregor versus Habib and, uh, for the, the long periods of that round. He was kind of staying in the mountain, doing a good job of pulling Oliveira down while Oliveira was still dominant, obviously. But then the end of that round, he got the uh, he got the arm bar, fucking twisted his arm up. That was disgusting. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And then in the second round, he had that guard where he had, was like Tony Ferguson's arse was up in the air and he was pushing his legs down. And Ferguson was like staying in that guard as well for a long time. Like even when Oliveira kind of let up or gave him an opportunity, Tony was like looking for leg locks from and looking from inverted triangles and things and, you know from that point on I think Oliveira started landing some big shots and was just able to dominate on top, dominate on top again uh, in the third round like this was this was one of those fights where Oliveira looks really good really good but I think Tony Ferguson looked unbelievably bad like it was uh, we, we was talked it just, about did it. you think that he looked old I thought oh, he, even just really walking old. out I was like he looked mm-hmm. I don't know if it was haircut or what but he looked old like, it was as if he had aged like five years in the space of two fights or something it was it, it was like a different fighter for Tony Ferguson like what's the one thing about Tony Ferguson you know he's a mad he moves all over the place he never stops he'll never give you anything easy he gave everything easy to Charles Oliveira last night. Like, okay, Oliveira took it. I'm not saying, you know, this was fucking some schlub gun in there and Tony Ferguson just let him win. But, uh, like, I thought to be Tony Ferguson, even this Tony Ferguson, you know, and, uh, okay, he lost to Gaethje and all, you'd have to go through it. You know, you'd really have to put yourself through it. Charles Oliveira didn't, really. It was a cakewalk for him. It was a cakewalk. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'd wonder how much that Gaethje fight took out of Ferguson because, yeah. like, we, we all know how tough we all know how tough for, uh, Tony Ferguson is and, like, anyone who questions that, just look at the armbar in the first round. Like, mm-hmm. I I don't know how he survived that. Like, it was, it was sickening watching that. But... Justin Gaethje took his soul like he made him quit like he literally turned away shaking his head at the end of that was it the fourth round of the Gaethje fight and and he gave up so like if someone like Tony Ferguson is giving up you, like he, you've sustained an, an incredible beating and that's going to take a toll on a fighter I think so like uh, I don't know how much that had an impact maybe even going in here because like that was one hell of a beating that he took from Justin Gaethje yeah like the, the, we spoke about him I think it was on the betting podcast and like the, the thing about fighters like Tony Ferguson and other people as well, I think Robert Whitaker was another example I used, which went the opposite way. You're on a long winning streak, or maybe even like Whitaker's case, you're on a championship streak, and then you take a big loss. It's how you bounce back from that. And the loss, not so much. 
Like the loss is obviously big and you lose your title or you lose your streak or whatever. That That's big. But the next fight coming back, it says whether you're going to be Whitaker, who's back now and talking about, you know, title contention again, or Chris Weidman. You know, you're going to be one of the two of those. That fight and the fight after that are really, really huge. And that, this this is what Ferguson was presented with last night. He You know, he had that streak. He was the interim champion before. Everyone was talking about the Habib fight. And he got destroyed by uh, Justin Gaethje. And, like, the, the comeback from that is huge. Now, and he, he wasn't able to do it last night. The thing about Tony Ferguson is, though, he... Look, I think everyone could see Tony Ferguson's flaws. Even if you think he was the best fighter in the world, everyone knows that he took a lot of damage. He... You know, he put himself through it to get to where he got, to get that big long streak. And when you do that, it cannot last forever. And especially when it ends with a huge beating like that. Even, you know, some of Tony Ferguson wins. The, uh, you know, if even Cerrone he took a good few shots. Orlando Venata fight, he nearly got knocked out a few times. It, it takes a lot out of you. And it was one thing, maybe a lot of people wouldn't uh, read into it maybe as much as I did. But I thought in the first round, Tony Ferguson looked like he was going to get knocked out a couple of times on the feet. You know, he was getting hit with big shots and he wasn't taking them as well as he would before. He didn't have that undying going forward pace that we know from Tony Ferguson. He just looked a completely and utterly different fighter. You know, like uh, even even scrambles, right? Um, go back and watch any old Tony Ferguson fight and watch him getting hit the scrambles. And when, you know, we call him scrambles in MMA, he is genuinely fucking scrambling. He will go left, right, up, down. He'll climb up the fucking cage. You know, he'll do anything that's that's uh, needed to do. And yeah, he's, he scrambles like a flyweight. Yeah, he, he, he just wasn't there last night, was it? He was, and look, uh, on, on Charles Oliver, how impressed were you with Charles? I know he's... Like, to do that to Tony Ferguson anyway, even if it's the, the ghost of Tony Ferguson, it's really impressive. And, he, it's, uh, you know, we talked about him a little bit before the, the fight, but that name, you know, he needed kind of that name that was the upper echelon of the division, even though I stole Graham's phrase to, with probably someone he wouldn't agree with being upper echelon. But he needed that win, didn't he? It's a, and it's, you know, it's a put, oh, it put him it's in there. A massive, it? It's a massive win. It's a landmark yeah. win for Charles Oliveira. And it's the win that should push him now into title contention that he has needed because he's kind of been this guy in the division, like the underrated guy who's on a serious streak. Like mm-hmm. kind of, he's kind of like almost like the Tony Ferguson yeah. um, of years gone by in, in the his um, success in the division. Um, but now he's up at the top. So, I mean, I, I was so impressed. I thought that he really beat Ferguson in every area, but I think mm-hmm. it was his his grappling uh, prowess that really kind of uh, put a stamp in it and kind of set the game plan to beat Tony, For- Tony Ferguson moving forward. I suppose Justin Gaethje s- smashed him on the feet, um, but like there wasn't a whole lot of grappling involved. But this was kind of... The, the big question in this division for a long, 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 long time has been Tony Ferguson versus uh, versus uh, Khabib. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I haven't seen what Charles Oliveira did to him last night, like there's no way you can think anything other than Khabib would have just taken him down, put him on his back and just mauled him for five rounds. Um, like I was so impressed. I think it was even like in the first round, um, Oliveira was kind of piecing him up a little bit on the feet. And then he kind of got the body lock slam takedown and immediately into side control and then just kind of gone to work from there and then just heavy hips, like a heavy top pressure, just kept Ferguson on his back. Ferguson's a guy who's historically, and even in this fight, like he, he's kind of comfortable being on his back, but he wasn't able to try to get his triangles off. He was like he, he didn't really have all that much success 
off his back in in this fight, which is where he kind of would have previously had um, had moments of success, at least in other fights. So um, I was very, very impressed. And I think that there is a game plan now to beat Tony Ferguson, which is crazy to think. Like, I, I, I don't want to kind of like just write Tony Ferguson off because, I mean, he's lost to Justin Gaethje and, and uh, Charles Oliveira, two great fighters. Mm-hmm. But... His stock compared to say a year or two years ago is is way down in my opinion. Yeah, like I think Tony Ferguson could recapture his form a little bit, but I just think he's too much damage on him now to to be a, a contender anymore. And one thing as well, you mentioned, look, you know, would Tony have ever beaten Habib? Absolutely not. I think anyone with any fucking sense would know that. But I I did it as well on Twitter last night. But com- using last night in the, as an example. As to why he wouldn't, I think is a little bit unfair. I don't think this is prime Tony anymore. I just Gaethje beat it out of him, and last night as well was was just too much. But uh, like, I think we judge Tony on maybe the Gaethje fight more than this fight or previous fights as well. But I I agree that Habib would have uh, would have destroyed him anyway. But sure, look, Oliveira right there now. McGregor versus Paria fighting on the next pay per view. We'll see what Habib does. Uh, once Habib makes that decision, obviously we can talk about the the, the division more. But um, it's an interesting one because let's say Habib says, "Right, I want to have one more fight. I want to do my uh, defend my title fight, defend my title once more." He's already choked out McGregor. He's already choked out Paria. He's already choked out uh, Gaethje. Okay, maybe Gaethje and Chandler fight, and he fights Chandler if he wins there. But if not, Charles Oliveira is the next guy. So he's right there, thereabouts. A big win for Charles Oliveira last night. Um, let's run through a couple of more, a couple more of these fights pretty quickly here. Mackenzie Durham. That was a great performance for Mackenzie. You know, she did really well in round one. In round two, she got her nose broken with uh, a knee. Uh, looked like a nose broken anyway. Bleeding all over the place, and you could see she panicked. You know, it was one of those ones where she fucking panicked and was like, my nose is bleeding, my nose is broken. And she was in guard. I thought he did a great job because it's not yeah, one of those. It's not one of those where like you should take your fighter out of there because she's in trouble. You, It's one of those like you're grand. Stop. Like if you did, let's say a fighter, I know dislocated her finger and you put it back into place and you're like, look, it's fine. It's gone. It's great. Forget about the finger. You've nine other things. You know, you know, it's, it's one of those ones. It's, it's not going to kill you. Like a broken nose is, is bad and all, but it's not, it's not one of those uh, ones that, and uh, okay, some broken noses can be, but that one specifically wasn't. So I thought it was a great corner job and she came out and she looked good again in the, uh, in the third round. I think McKinsey Dern, uh, interesting to get your thoughts on it. Like, I think she's improved an awful lot. I have a little bit of a soft spot for McKinsey Dern because she's not like Jason Brillo is the exact person I think you want McKinsey Dern with. He's everyone who goes to Brillo for a few years, their hands get really good and they become more of a technical striker. Look at Cyborg, look at Bisping, look at Rafael dos Anjos uh, when he was there as well. And if McKinsey Dern can do that, and I think she has definitely improved. Not okay, I'm not. She's not fucking Michael Bisping yet, but if she can improve those hands, we know what the jiu-jitsu is like. And I, I still have a lot of hope for her in that strawweight division. What do you think? Yeah, I've been so impressed by Mackenzie Dern um, in the last few fights. Like she had a child not too long ago, yeah, only what years ago. Like mm-hmm. that's like, like the toll that takes in your body. Like not that I know anything about that, but like mm-hmm. the toll that takes in your body, I'm sure is insane. And to make those jumps of uh, in skill is very impressive, in my opinion. Because I mean, her jujitsu has always been fantastic, but I was I was quite impressed with her striking as well. Like I, I kind of I saw. I think I put a tweet out last night, and I was like fucking very tired watching the fights and, mm-hmm. and being like oh I thought your striking looks great and then I saw a load of people um, like saying the opposite and then I kind of quickly deleted mine and being like oh maybe I'm wrong ah, don't do that. Uh, I'm a coward <laughs> um, 
But then I was like, no, hang on a second. I was right here. Like, she's actually, she looks pretty good. Like, I thought she, like, her solitary striking was, was vastly improved. Um, okay, like, it's not, it's not going to be, like, the most technically amazing striking ever. But, like, she's a jiu-jitsu player. So, I mean, I think for, for, for the work she's there, in comparison to her first, her early fights in the UFC, I think she's come on leaps and bounds. And I've been very, very impressed. And I think that, like, even if you don't have to have, like, a, an amazing striking skill set when you have, um, the, the grappling capabilities that she does so I think like as long as you have like a solid base that you can kind of set up like to pump your jab out and then look for a takedown like yeah. that'll that'll serve you well I think McKinsey Dern as well one thing she needs to really work on I think is the middle part now that that's I like the way they're taking a bit slower McKinsey Dern as well you know okay she lost the Hebas and she was pushed a little bit uh, maybe too soon into that fight but let McKinsey Dern learn you know um, let her get that striking down let her get the in-between bits she needs to improve her wrestling a bit as well, I think, because I don't think she's a fing- f- fing- physically strongest person in the world. Uh, so I think a lot of it will be down to technique. So I- I'd love to see her, you know, wrestling with Ben Askren or someone like that and-, and improving that more. Like, imagine if she had a really good wrestling game and a really good boxing game to back up her really good jiu-jitsu game as well. She would be a, a problem. Now, is that going to happen? Like, Brian Ortega is, is the one, I think, that gives everyone hope. Because he was the guy who was just jiu-jitsu. You know, he was getting the shit beat out of him in every fight. And then he was submitting, lads. And then, look at him now. He looks really, really good. So, if McKinsey Dern could do something similar to that, uh, I think... Uh, look, and, uh, look, I think she's going to continue to improve yeah, as well. I, I agree. The signs, are there. Mm-hmm. the signs are there. The signs are definitely there. So, uh, an impressive a performance. Three, what, a three fight win, or three uh, wins in 2020 as well. Like, that's mm-hmm. a serious bit of momentum going on now. So, um no yeah, weight sure problems either as well anymore. She used to always miss weight and, and she hasn't done that in those three fights as well. So, yeah. Which is even more impressive after having a baby as well. 100%. 100%. Um, Kevin Holland in with one of the most unique KOs in UFC history. This, to me, was probably the performance of the night, to be honest. Um, you go in there um, uh, on two weeks' notice or three weeks' notice, whatever it was, after having fucking the coronavirus, you <coughs> fight Jack Ray Souza without being able to get a camp without being able to bring in jujitsu guys to prepare for him, you go to the ground within the first fucking 30 sec- seconds against Shakara, you survive, you start talking shit to him, you're like, I dreamed about this, this is, <laughs> you know, and then you knock him out on the ground on your fucking knees. It was unbelievable, an unbelievable performance. Like, people might say, okay, this isn't the same Shakara. It's absolutely the same fucking Jackara when you get to the ground. You know, he Jackara hasn't hasn't forgot uh, to be an amazing jujitsu player like overnight. Okay, he mightn't be as fast uh, striking or as you know getting his takedowns and stuff, but he didn't need it. He got the fight, got to the fucking ground in in the first thirty seconds or whatever it was, and Holland. I was like, get the fuck <laughs> up, Kevin. <laughs> and but he survived and he did well. Like. And the punch as well to end it. A lot of, you know, the lads were like, oh, Jack is waiting on his knees and hit him. He hit him with a fucking two punches before that. beautiful, beautiful right hook, wasn't it? Right it was kind of like that, um, yeah. the Ricky Bandeas when Franz Malambo went in for the single leg and just kind of the short right hook yeah. cr- uh, cracked him, except he was on his knees, obviously, so it's probably even more impressive. Yeah, I, I like he, he cracked him at one. He was almost in the guard when he cracked him with the first one. And it, that hurt him. And Jack Ray got, like, dipped back onto his knees. And it's like... He's hurt here. I said it like I was watching with Patrick. I was like, he is hurt here. And then Holland got up and he hit him with another one. And, uh, you know, obviously that was kind of the the one before the couple that knocked him out. So it was insane. Like, obviously only 100 seconds of a fight, 105 seconds it's of so a fight. It's so weird seeing his, like, his bent back at his knees and, like, springing back. Is yeah. like, 
like one of the, it's like I don't even know what the comparison, but like it just looked very bizarre. It's it. Some people just find a way to win and find a way to be violent, and it may uh, special fighters find that like. Look, even look at McGregor with the shoulder strikes or like John Jones has done it in the past even with the, the submission of uh, of Lyoto Machida I think he said after that he's like he'd never done that kind of submission before it was like the high iron guillotine or whatever it was and you know it's, or the the the, uh, the Glover Teixeira fight as well where he like almost pulled his fucking shoulder out of the out of the blade so it's you know Kevin Holland is up there like Kevin Holland is he's right there he's got a bit there. different fighter of the years well like yeah. I know like like what? Like I think it's absolutely insane. Like what he's done in twenty twenty. Like five fights, five wins in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Like okay, uh, fair enough. I, I guess in it works kind of both ways. Like with the coronavirus pandemic, that like it, it's kind of decimated sports, and for at least for a period. But then it also kind of gives fighters in the UFC more opportunities because they just want lads fighting every three weeks back to back now. But my god, like so impressive, so impressive. And to, to what makes it even more impressive, five fights in twenty twenty, and his first fight in twenty twenty was in May. So like it's yeah. five fights Jesus. in seven months seven really. Months. So he's out there uh, fucking gone full art and like, fighting everyone. Not so Joaquin Buckley who had the KO of the yeah. year as well. So like there's like, and there's, like okay, not all the names like split decision to Darren Stewart, uh, or beat Charles Antiveros and then but then I mean knocking out Jack Array like that's kind of mm-hmm. that that's kind of the way the, the, the caliber of, of yeah exactly the mm-hmm. caliber of opponents you needed to kind of have the cherry in the cake there. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh. After that, then we'd Cyril Gan against Junior Dos Santos. Um, look, typical Junior fight. I, I, if anyone listened to the Severe May betting show, I, I gave uh, Gan to win second round KO at five to one, and that's exactly what he did. Junior came out first minute or two. I thought Gan did a great job pushing him against the cage, kind of stopping the Junior momentum. But the end of that round, Junior hurt him with a couple of shots in the last maybe fifteen seconds. I think Gan still won the round, but in the second round. <coughs> You know, Junior just looked like he was feeling those shots. Those body kicks from Gan were very, very tough. Uh, and in the end, Gan was kind of putting it on him. Junior turned his back. Um, now, when you turn your back, you present an area when you're moving to be hit. And if you hit it illegally, it's not your fault because he hit it because uh, he's moving. But if you just turn your back and you elbow a lad in the middle of the head, in, in the middle of the fucking back of the head or in the spine. And he's not moving. It's still an illegal shot. But this one, I thought it was on the ear. I thought it was on the neck. Borderline illegal. But Junior, like, it's not because he turned his back. But it's because he kind of moved into it. You know, you can't really call it illegal. And I don't think it was illegal anyway because it was like a forearm on the ear and on the neck. If it was just a punch where there's like a specific area where it hit, fair enough. But when it's a forearm and it's hitting like, you know, four or five inches of an area you can't really call that illegal and I think it was a, a grand finish. I think there's a big difference as well like when you're kind of throwing strikes as both of you are moving versus yeah. say you have a fighter on the ground like mm-hmm. you're lining them up and you're just blatantly punching them in the back of the head like I think at times it can be very difficult to like you're both you're both moving and you're throwing strikes so like it's you're bound to kind of have a slightly misplaced punch here and there and I don't think it was really back of the head to be honest yeah I, I, it was around I, the air really I think the danger now with Gan, he's probably seven and all. I think the danger with him is you push him too quickly, and maybe this was a little bit too quickly even. But I, uh, I would. He's mind. so technical, isn't he? Yeah. He's like he doesn't really fight like a, he- a heavyweight. No. Like in and out, like lightness feet. I know. I think it was Joe Rogan or someone was saying like he was just bouncing the entire time. Like he, he doesn't. He just looks like an oversized like middleweight fighting or something. Yeah, I, yeah, I, uh, he does, but he needs. <laughs> He needs more than that. He like he's not going to be able to do that against the top 
in the world for five rounds, I don't think. No, maybe he will. Maybe he's the most insane cardio in the world. But I think he needs, and this, <laughs> this might be a weird thing to say, I think he needs to put in a bit of clinching into his game. You know, push a guy against the cage. He did a bit of start against Junior. But, like, if he can spend three minutes in the clinch in the second or third round and then kind of come back out for the fourth round to be able to move again. I Shall she could... break up all clinches? <laughs> what's going on here? You're backtracking. Uh, no, I'm not backtracking. I'm talking about the he, how to benefit him rather than how it benefit the sports. But, uh, yeah, like... Just, I, just like your Eddie Hearn uh, and... Uh, I like, like the Joshua tweet, yeah. That's the most small brain response <laughs> ever, like. You need a big brain like me. Do you know what? I actually kind of knew what you were saying, but I just wanted to fucking piss you off. I, okay, I appreciate that. No, I take it back. I take everything back. You big brain. I enjoy that. Yeah, I, I need to get the piss taken out of me every once in a while. But uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, who, would you, who would you like to see Cyril Gann go up against next? I don't know. I don't know, like... Who, Derek Lewis? Maybe. Did Derek Lewis fight recently? No, he was supposed to fight someone, wasn't he? Maybe like a Tartu of Vassar or someone like that. Yeah, it's tied to Avassa still in the UFC. I know he got cut and got brought back in, but like looking at the rankings here, there's a there's a few options. What about uh, Augusto Sakai? I think that wouldn't be a bad fight. Um, yeah, I, I think that would like eventually, like let's say to give him someone like Volkov. I think that's a tough fight right now, or, or someone like, even like Rosenstruck, where he's gonna land a couple of those big shots. Uh, that's that'd a tough be a great fight, fight between Rosenstruck and him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I wouldn't do it yet, though. I wouldn't do it yet. I, like, imagine him versus Overeem. That'd be a great fight. <laughs> I wouldn't do that yet either. I, I think Even Derek Lewis. Lewis. So. Yeah, yeah. Derek Lewis is a good fight. I think he beat Derek Lewis, but you never know with Derek. But uh, look, good performance anyway by uh, Seattle Gan. Uh, we'll run through a couple of the other fights pretty quickly, and then you can come back and tell me about what impressed you the most. So Cub Swanson went in there against Daniel Pineda. Looked great in the first round. Um, came out in the second round and got the KO finish. I thought the referee let it go on one shot too much. Uh, I think Pineda took uh, took too much. And the opposite in, I think, it was in the Fisiev fight where he knocked out Hinata Maikano. It was one of those ones where he got knocked out with a couple of shots. Lovely knockout by Fisiev. And he went to sleep. But only for a second. And he popped back up and he was fighting again. But I, I am all for And people have made a meme out of me saying the fight should be left go on. But I am all for... I, I'm all for giving the lad a chance. But when the, those lights go out... You cannot blame the referee. No, the lights went out with Mike Hanna. The referee was dead right to stop that fight. That was a great decision. Chris Tognoni, I think it was. I mean, People are giving out about him. but Am I remembering it correctly? Or was Mike Hanna not trying to wrestle the referee after the stoppage? A little bit after that as well. But so I, I, don't, I don't take that into account, though. I like uh, Lads can be hurt and they can still fight, like, you know? I... I I don't think that's... People love to do that. It's like, oh, he was hard. Look at him afterwards. He was, you know... Okay, if someone's going to single-legged, they don't know what they're doing, but I don't know. Yeah, like, uh, but in this case, yeah, it was a good stoppage, but I don't think that's always the uh, the, the best way to do it, but however. Uh, Fizev is brilliant. Like, he is... He's a fucking animal. He was getting... end up with a few jabs on him. This was a fight as well where in the first three or four minutes... This was an even fight, you know? It, yeah, I thought Moicano was winning. Yeah, Moicano I thought he was pumping the job well yeah. and just keeping him at range. And uh, oh, Jesus, Fiziev is terrifying. Yeah, he just he's hit so hard and he's willing to take a few of those shots as well. So it's uh, very good. I thought Some, Gavin... I thought someone, I don't know who mm-hmm. was. Yeah, the Edson Barbosa fight would be a great fight if he's Ooh. coming back to lightweight. I like that. I like that. Uh, yeah, I like that fight. There's a lot of good fights for him in lightweight. But uh, yeah, Fiziev is... He's a fucking animal. Him versus Joel Alvarez, the man who fought... Um, oh, fought yeah, Joe Duffy. Joe oh, Duffy, that'd be a good fight. Yeah, I was looking through the rankings last night. Um, 
Featherweight in Gavin Tucker. I've always had a soft spot for Gavin Tucker, the old Canadian with his lovely tattoos and stuff. Up Canada, Billy Quarantillo. Just, I, I love him because he's such a technical fighter. He throws a lovely jab. He throws lovely body shots. His footwork's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, he moves around well. He doesn't get hit that much. There was a one stage last night, and I thought Rogan called it really well, where um, he was calling how good he was offensively, and then Quarantillo threw this big right hand. And all you could see, it, it was weird. It was the camera angle, maybe, that was made it so evident. But Gavin Tucker's left hand just came up and completely blocked that big right hand from Landon. And Rogan was like, the defense is there too. And I was like, yeah, that's a great call. Like the way he said it, because it was so obvious the way he's, uh, the way you could see it. And, and like, Tucker is, he's a tough guy. He's a very good fighter. I don't know who I'd like to see him fight. Um, Ilya Tapuria, who fought last week. That I think that'd be a great fight. I think Tucker is what, like 15-1 and one or something like that. Tapuria, I think. Yeah, 14-1 now. Yeah, 9-0, and oh, isn't he? So... I think uh, I think that'd be a good fight. I, I wouldn't mind Sorry, that one. Yeah. So yeah, really good performance. Teach Torres then absolutely destroyed Sam Hughes uh, in round one, and I know you had Teach Torres back to get KO the first KO of her fucking career. So you're fair lucky. But uh, Sam Hughes went back to her corner afterwards. Um, Stevenson, they call me. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> I think these things. <laughs> she said she couldn't see. Um, then the, the corner was like right we're taking you out of there and she was like no 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 and then they were like alright grand go, go back out yeah it was a bit weird like they oh, seemed to be like yeah. oh, making a very sensible decision for, mm-hmm. for her like very like uh, keeping her safety in mind and then be like oh no you're okay okay yeah go ahead. and fine, then like yeah. two seconds they're like oh yeah no it's cancelled we're done yeah, 100% uh, but uh, yeah then the, the doctor stopped it so that was grand and then Chase Hooper she was a what like Jiu-Jitsu does work in MMA <laughs> But like Jesus, he was—he needs to go wherever fucking uh, Brian Ortega went for that year, because he looked atrocious in the first two rounds. But got a got a he look. I thought Rogan was spot on with his assessment because like it's so difficult to like learn on the job like in the UFC. Like (laughs) there's not many matches you can put him in where he can kind of safely if like showcase his skill set and also learn as and get a bit of fight time in. So it's gonna it'll probably be a rough go for Chase Super. But look, fair play to him. He got. He was getting smashed for most of the fight, and then he pulled off the submission. So if you mm-hmm. can keep doing that, then then great. But um, I think it's it has its limits, to be honest. Come here to me. Here's a question: What weight class is uh, is Dean Barry coming to UFC at? He is, well, I think he's coming into UFC. He's probably going to be fighting at lightweight, mm. um, but he says he's going to featherweight. Oh, what about Dean Barry versus Chase Hooper? The ultimate striker versus scrappler. Striker versus grappler. Yeah. I like That'd that fight. Crack, yeah. I like that fight. It makes uh, I think it makes some sense as well. But the more the point, the bigger point in that is, I think like, I think it's easier now maybe to bring guys even like Dean Barry, only three and one, and Chase Hooper, who's obviously flaws in his game. I think it's easier now in the UFC to bring them through if they match make them well because there's so many contender series guys and guys who are not uh, that well versed or not not that um you know that that good or that experienced so i think it's it's easier now if the match make them right and you know maybe this- like, like are the ufc in a rebuilding fa- like this is it's really weird to me what's going on like mm-hmm. with, with they obviously announced the, the cuts they're going to be coming up and it'll probably be kind of older fighters who have bigger contracts and it'll probably be a cost saving it'll definitely be a cost savings exercise but it's going to have an effect on the ufc okay there'll still be big names there'll still be uh, the elite of, of the various divisions but um are they, they they seem to kind of be shifting towards like almost uh, the, a Bellator approach the way Bellator have been yeah. doing it the last couple of years where they're they're just going for your kind of young up and comers yeah. um, it's a bit weird because like, I'm kind of like well what's the plan here it's funny that Dana White like shat all over Bellator and it's like that's not what we do here 
and he's doing the exact same. <laughs> like as you said, he's yeah, just robbing what Bellator done. He's like that's exactly what Bellator have been doing over the last while. And I actually think Bellator have been signing better young young fighters than the yeah, UFC like, have got through the Like all, Bellator are, are are really starting to develop some solid solid prospects. Like that Cody Law lad coming through. Like a few others as well. Like there's you'd want like yeah as you said like the UFC are just kind of copying Bellator, which yeah. is a bit weird. Now, but okay, fair enough. Probably. The, this is probably forced uh, to a degree. It's probably a money mm-hmm. thing. So maybe it's the, they're not actively trying to do this, but it's more out of necessity. Yeah, but what but, they're um, saying, still. what they're saying they're wanting to do is copying what Bellator have done. Like, so yeah, the thing about it, like Bellator have signed most of the talent here. I know we'll get the cage warriors here in a second, and obviously not not those those guys, but like. If you even let let's say that they signed like they bought SBG gym basically, you know, they, they signed everyone from fucking SBG. They have a lot of the guys over in over in the UK as well. Even if you look at said like Sarn Back, who was obviously the, like the top fighter in in Cage Warriors for a while, Sutton Back and um, Ross Houston as well. They're you know because so they're not just getting the young up and comers in this side of the world. They're also getting the ones who are. UFC ready and ready to go to the UFC from Cage Warriors and in taking them as well. So and and not all of them, obviously. You know, we've seen Nathaniel Wood and we've seen, you know, Mason Jones Jack and Shore. all the rest of them. Jack Shore go over there, and I'm sure we'll see a few more as well. But I wouldn't be And one thing as well, while while we're on this, and we're obviously going to move on to Cage Warriors in a second, but it looks like the zone deal has ended with Bellator as well, and that might have huge ramifications for the fighters and the fights on this side of the world because the DAZN deal was a lot of money, a lot of money and a lot of money to Bellator especially. And will they be able to pay those fighters the big amounts of money? You know, we, we've heard Fabian Edwards and James Gallagher and all these guys talk about how much money they're getting paid. Like, will that be able to continue on? Now, for the big fighters like them, I'd say I probably will. But will they be able to sign everyone from SBG and all you know all the up and coming English guys and have six, seven, eight fights a year in you know in Ireland and in Birmingham and in you know in in Holland and France and wherever else they were going? Will that be able to continue? I hope it will because it's a fantastic series. I think and I think people maybe gave out about it a little bit too much, but there were some good fights and they they gave a lot of fighters a lot of opportunities and a lot of money. But they have lost a lot of money now with that zone deal. So. It's an interesting one to look at over the next year. I know they've already cut some fighters and things, so it's uh, it's definitely an interesting one to, to look at here. But um, yeah. yeah, really important for the Irish scene too. Like, mm. uh, long enough for the Bellator versus Cage Wars, and like a lot of people say, oh yeah, well, if you want to get to the UFC, you gotta go through Cage Wars. But at the end of the day, Cage Wars doesn't pay much, mm-hmm. and maybe some of these fighters aren't going to go to the UFC. So like, Bellator is very much needed on the Irish scene, and um, they're paying lads well. They're allowing people to have like people to support their families and, and make a go of their fighting career. So yeah. uh, I really, really hope that it does continue. Um, and maybe it'll, if if they have lost the zone deal, I don't know. Like we obviously don't know the full details and stuff, but I mean, hopefully they're getting good money from Sky, the Sky Sports deal because they seem to be pumping um, a lot of kind of stock behind it and, and they're promoting it well. Uh, and I guess we'll see what happens in 2021. But I think um, maybe getting fans back in stadiums would be a big boost to um, to Bellator yeah. um, if they are losing sponsorship or are losing broadcasting deals mm-hmm, 100% like as you said there even like, look, look at someone like Richard Kiley got a fight against MVP got a lot of money I saw this week he, he moved into his new house like without Bellator he wouldn't be able to do that you know he wouldn't have been able to do that um You've, the likes of Brian Moore you know he, he was at a period in his career where he had put all the work in 
and he wasn't like near the UFC and he would have had to probably go to Cage Warriors and win a title there and have some tough fights and spend two years there. But he got the Bellator and he's getting, you know, he got an AJ McKee fight and he did well in that fight and now he's on the brink of getting towards the top of that division. And, you know, even guys like Johnny Jitsu got fights there. Keith McCabe got fights there and I, I'm sure got, got good money out of it. And, you know, they have a place for Paul Redmond and, and Norman Park after they left the UFC. And so, so like... You know, I think without it's Bellator around this... never, like, I think, like, a lot of people are struggling and, like, a lot of these fighters will, like, say, have their own gyms or be involved in gyms. Like, that'll be kind of how they would kind of make their money outside of the fights themselves. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's tough. Like, they it's, it, they really, really need this stuff, mm-hmm. uh, this this pay. Yeah, so, um, 100%. Hopefully. So, hopefully it keeps going. Um, while we're on Bellator, just a quick mention here. Uh, Juliana Velasquez beat Alimene McFarlane in the main event uh, of their title fight. Uh, a pretty dominant display by, by Velasquez, just a little bit better than Alimele. And look, she had a great run in that division and established it really well for uh, for Bellator. But uh, Velasquez just a, a little bit too good. And uh, we talked about that in one of the, the other podcasts as well. But uh, Magomed, Magomedov as well in the comment event there looked absolutely fantastic. I don't know how Matthias Matos got through the slam he put him on his head. But, you know, he's beaten Petr Jan. He's 17-1. Okay, he's lost to Petr Jan as well. But... He's up there as one of the best 135 pounders in the world, and another guy, Bellator, did a great job to sign. Uh, Linton Vassell beat Honey Marks. Romero Cotton got in there and got a good win. Shamil Nimeyev, Grant Neal got a win. Cody Law, as you mentioned earlier on there as well, got a good win. Uh, and Billy Goff beat Hobson Gracie Jr. Right, we're going to be five hours doing this fucking podcast. Right, we're going to do another podcast in, during the week and talk about uh, next week's card. So uh, we'll put it out for free and everything, so you can you can listen to that there. Sign up patreon.com forward slash severe podcast. Well, if you appreciate this content and all the content that's going to be coming out, over Christmas this is my worst week of the year because I'm this is my busiest week because I have to do so many fucking podcasts and articles and things so uh, yeah if you want to you know buy me a few cans of monster and sign up patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right last night uh, I almost called you Graham Andy Cage Warriors 119 um all right, the, the, the top two, we won't uh, spend too much time, time on them uh, because, you know, we're an Irish MMA podcast, obviously, and we talk about the Irish guys more, so I suppose. Uh, Aggie Sagdar, and also, we were doing the live Zoom last night. Thanks to everyone who came in. There was some great crack. Harry Kearns was delighted and all, uh, you know, Sean Dini and fucking Thomas Delaney and Dara Kelly and all the boys over there. It was a great time. Evan Keevney and I was there as well and loaded the boys. So it was, it was a, a great time and Amy was there as well and Patrick and everyone. Jake Smith came in about two hours late but fair enough anyway. Um, so the, we, great, the great Philip O'Connor joined us. <laughs> the great Philip O'Connor. I gave him some slag and it was fantastic. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it, it was great crack. We didn't watch these fights to the full of our ability. We're not going well, to be breaking you know, some, some of us watched the fights. I, no, we but, didn't. But, but didn't some of us didn't. I, yeah, I did anyway. Uh, uh, Aggie Sagdari against Jack Grant. He look, won a five round decision. Not sure how that fight went. Not gonna, not gonna lie. I was drinking cans of harp. Um, Morgan Charrier looked good though against Perry Goodwin. I know poor old Jake. He was devastated. Very, uh, very KO with, with a body shot. Charrier, uh, like. I know we were kind of discussing on the Zoom last night, but Sharia, he has to be on the brink of the UFC just because of how much of a following he has, just because he's a cage warrior champion and because he looks so good in this. But like, I think a lot of people would agree that Sharia maybe needs another couple of fights. And also, with fans not back yet, like I think Sharia, he needs to debut in France in a big fight. Uh, maybe not a big fight, but a big card in France for the UFC. And maybe he'd be better off taking one more fight in uh, in Cage Warriors uh, before he does that. What, what's your take on, on Cherry? I know you've paid more attention to, to him and his stuff than me, but uh, what, what do you think about that? 
Yeah, like I think he's an absolute superstar. They put out a video of his um, finish there yesterday, and I think within two hours it had 1.1 million views. So the guy is a bona fide star. Like he's a massive following from YouTube. He basically did a YouTube series uh, with with a friend where he helped him lose a load of weight, and he just has this cult following. Like if uh, we you were we were talking last night, like if you get tagged in one of the cage warriors oh posts, my god, it's so yeah, my god. Yeah. And I know, like, uh, poor Dean Truman. Well, not maybe not poor Dean Truman because I think he antagonizes them. But like, he he got beaten by Morgan Charrier, and he was talking shit to the the French fans and stuff. And his mentions still, and this is like over a year ago now, I think, are ever are just flooded with Morgan Charrier fans. So yeah. it's a rabid fan base. It's like, uh, yeah, it's just a it's a cult following at this point. And like previously, when I'd watched Charrier fight, and I was like, oh, like, do does his skill set match his? superstar mm-hmm. um, aura and I, I think still no but I do think he's improving and I and I was very very impressed with him uh, yesterday I didn't expect him to have it so easy um, like Perry Goodman's a tough tough fighter but I thought that Charrier just just dominated the action throughout um, I thought he was patient I thought his shot selection was fantastic uh, and he really hurt uh, Goodwin multiple times like um, we were talking on the Zoom and and uh Jake was saying like well, one of the ways or the keys to like how Perry Goodwin could win is is to implement the game plan where he kind of chops away at Charrier's leg and 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 stifles his movement and then maybe looks to to rely on his gas tank late on and look for a finish and the reality was it was the complete opposite Charrier just chopped away at Goodwin's leg throughout the first couple of rounds and then just went to work and the the body shot was absolutely beautiful I would like to see him in the UFC next I know I I, I completely understand the argument for waiting until fans and if they can do that then yeah great. But I don't know. I think like I think now that he has the belt and then paired with his his fan base, I think it's the perfect time. Like I think they're not that I don't not that I doubt him, but I think that that featherweight division in cage wars is fantastic. And I think that mm-hmm. after watching Hughes versus Vucenic, I think both of those fighters give Sharier a, a tough run. So I don't I'm not I don't know if they necessarily beat him right now but there is a risk that he loses the title in his next fight um, I don't know who I'd pick to be honest I'd need to kind of think about that for a while but yeah. I think I'd like to see him sign now I think he, he's ready for the UFC um, I think there are fights that you can put him in that he, he can win um, yeah. And yeah I think the, it's it's only onwards and upwards for Morgan Sherrier yeah I, I wouldn't mind seeing him in the UFC to be honest. I'd like to see Irish. that uh... I'd like to see that Vucinic fight as well. I, I I was calling him Vucinic before, but like his name is the the epidin, epidemic Vucinic. Yeah, I think so, Vucinic. Yeah, I like that. But um, yeah, I agree. The the one thing as well, uh, just on the star power of Sharia, like I I've been tagging a couple of his posts, and I've been you know Conor McGregor's retweeted things I've had and different things, and Dana White, and it's I've never seen anything like Sharia, like. Even McGregor, you know, you have fucking notifications for like days and stuff, and you have people replying and things. Chariot, there's not been never, ever, ever. I've never seen anything like Chariot. Like everyone with those pirate emojis, I don't know what they are, but everyone is replying with those pirate emojis. He's the last pirate for days, (laughs) like non-stop for days I haven't been able to see if anyone sent me a tweet sorry I haven't seen it (laughs) I'm new to the conversation because like I was scrolling through my mentions and like I don't I'm no fucking celebrity on Twitter or anything so like I get one one notification a day or something and then you get tagged in one of those and you're just like scrolling through your mentions and just pages and pages of Mm -hmm. of pirate emotions it was uh, it was funny today I woke up I, I woke up to um 
<laughs> I feel like my Twitter mentions have become a safe space for hating on DC and Joe Rogan. Because, <laughs> like, I didn't say anything about him last night because someone said don't do it. And I didn't do it much. But every I've, like, 20 people saying, can you talk about how shit they were? And I'm like, oh, no, not again. Not not again. Not today. But anyway. Um, were, they, were they bad yet? Sorry, I, I didn't really. I didn't think they were as bad, to be honest. But I decided they weren't going to ruin it for me at the start. So I, I might be, like too nice of them because i just didn't i kind of I, I i've always been good at at kind of dulling out the commentary anyway uh but uh yeah I, like I, I don't know i don't know yeah uh, anyway I, th- I think i think the i don't know i i'm not as uh i don't have as, as strong emotions on on I them as you do but uh <laughs> i know i think they're fa- the thing is i think they're fantastic separated it's just mm, yeah i, I like uh, I, I like i like rogan with Dominic Cruz because Dominic Cruz will give him shit. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I is bad by himself. Cormier oh. is very, very good. Like I think when he's uh, kind of just focused on the technical analysis, that he's he's absolutely fantastic. Oh but, uh, no, I think he's horrible. Have you, ever, uh, sure look. have you ever seen those uh, like so. the, the clips he does from that show he has? It's like every clip he does is just really bad and just no, oh, it looks horrible. It look every clip they show from that show looks like you'd never ever want to watch it. But anyway, let me not give, give out about DC again. Um, Vucinic versus Hughes. This was one of those fights where, <laughs> you know, as Brad Wharton said after, leave it to professionals. Now, the thing about it was, and I'm, not, you know, I think Darren Ransom was one of the judges here, a really good judge, judge in the UFC. Mark Goddard was one of the judges. You know, Mark Goddard, I, I think he has four judged fights and MMA decisions. And I'm not like, I'm not saying it was a bad decision or anything like that. But my point here is. They didn't have the best judges in in Europe, or some of them in the world last night. They didn't have, you know, the the team with with Cartilage, Ledeby, and uh, oh god, what's his name? They'll they'll kill me. I can't remember his name. Uh, oh god, I can't remember. But the, those three lads anyway that we always uh, we always uh, see together. Mark uh, that's it. Um, they weren't at Cage Warriors this week, and uh, like I, I don't know the reasons for that. Maybe ask him, ask Cage Warriors and stuff. Um, they weren't there, and that is an issue because. When you're cage warriors and you don't have the best judges in the world judging, and like, okay, you had, I think Dar Ransom is up there as one of the best judges in the UK and stuff, but that's only one, you know, and you don't have all of the other ones. And I know some, you know, some of the, the judges were a bit in, inexperienced here. You want the best judges the best times. Now, I'm not saying this was a robbery or a bad decision or anything like that, but I have to make that point as well because we talk about judging so much in the podcast, on this podcast. This this fight was, I think it could be 30-27 Hughes or 29-28 Vucinic and anything in between. It was one of those fights. Hughes won the first. I think everyone agrees with that. And the second was unbelievably close. The third was unbelievably close. So you, if Hughes had won this, not a robbery. If Vucinic win it, which he did, not a robbery either. I thought... <sighs> I thought Vucinic surprised me, and we were talking about it on the Zoom, and I know you'll say the same thing about how good he was on the ground. But at the end of that first round, you could see how much of an advantage Hughes had when he kind of upped the game and when he when he kind of took that advantage. You know, he didn't go for a takedown in the second. He went for a takedown in the third, got it relatively easily with a double leg in the middle of the cage. I was very surprised, and I know I talked about it before, why he didn't do that earlier in the fight, and we didn't try to implement it. And I know you kind of made the argument that he was trying to make a point to beat Vucinic, where Vucinic is really good. I don't necessarily think that's great game planning, to to be honest. Um, I, I think Vucinic, or Vucinic's already fought better than I expected, and I think Hughes, I think he looked back and won't think it's the best performance of his career now. 
It was a really good fight, and both guys fought well where the fight was fought. But I think with a little bit, a few adjustments, a couple more takedowns from Hughes, I think you kind of take away the doubt in that fight. Whereas Vucinic did a great job on the feet when it got there at times. Plus on the ground, he made it a tough fight for Hughes, and he stayed in it at all times and got on top a couple of times as well when when they got there for a few seconds. But uh, overall, t- close, tough fight. How, how did you uh, what did you think of the fight first of all and, and the scoring? Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was an amazing fight. Um, I thought it really, it really underlined the fact that this was a number one contender fight. Like looking at the division, I don't want to see anyone fight for a title next other than, uh, well, now for Jordan Vucenic because he won. So, but but between the two of them, it was going always going to be Hughes or Vucenic. Uh, fantastic matchmaking by Ian Dean as usual. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was, uh, yeah, I really really enjoyed it. I thought that on the first watch, I had it. Uh, first round Hughes I had third round Vucenic and then I didn't know how to score the second round because it was just one of those where I was like oh, that was so close that I haven't a clue I watched it back after the event and I scored, again scored the first round Hughes I don't think anyone can test that one um, I had the third round for Hughes so I, ch- I flip-flopped on that and then I the second one I really didn't know so I, like, I fully agree with, with your assessment of it could be 30-27 Hughes it could be 29-28 uh, Vucenic depending on how you score I, I would feel like I don't think it was a robbery however I, I can understand how Hughes or, or Hughes fans or their camp or whatever could feel aggrieved by it because it was nah. so close nah. they can't well, feel aggrieved by that they can, it, after those two the second and third round if you feel aggrieved by that you don't understand like how scoring works I don't think well okay, okay maybe mm, from their perspective, I can understand how they feel great. Boy, but I, did he? Did he? Did he clearly win the second or third? I thought I, I gave him the third. Now it wasn't the thing is that it wasn't clear. So I guess this is where the 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 judging, not the judging itself, but this is where the the judging criteria does come into kind of subjectivity. Um, I think that when you have such close rounds like this, that it really does come down to kind of like someone's assessment of the round cage side and, and seeing the strike. So I, I, I would just fair enough. And I think the judges will have the best view there. They'll be able to see up close and personal. It's so close that you, I think like both sides can feel aggrieved in, in a way because it's, it's, there's nothing clear cut about it. And you, then you're being, you're saying, okay, I didn't win that round when it's like, well, why didn't I? Like, I, I don't understand why I didn't. And, me personally I can't look at that and say oh well this shot right here is the reason why you lost or won to either fighter really so like I thought personally from my completely amateur no experience judging of the fight mm. that he won the third but someone else could think like it's it's just where the subjectivity comes into play it's, it's like what do you qualify as as a better strike and things like that so mm. where it's it's so so close um, mm. but look I'd, I'd love to see it again I think had it gone five rounds it, we would have it would have had two more great rounds I don't think either of them were really slowing down to to be honest, um, so uh, it'd be a great rematch for a title, maybe if if Vucenic can get his hands on the title next, and then maybe his first defense against Hughes, or it, it, like if Charrier gets signed to the UFC, maybe there'll be a vacant title. They could make that that rematch, or, or I don't know, maybe Perry Goodwin will fight again for the title, and then Hughes will get a crack after that, or something like that, maybe. But um, look, it's a close fight. It was, it was a very very close fight. I thought the second Hughes had the better of Vucenic on the feet up until the takedown came. Uh, Vucenic got it to the ground. I don't think he necessarily did all that much mm-hmm. with the in the grappling. Like, okay, yeah, like it was all positional changes, but then he did land a few nice strikes mm-hmm. um, at the end of the round that could have potentially sealed the deal. Um, 
I was very impressed with eugenics wrestling and and the, like the scrambles were very very high level. There was one like there's a good few uh, that the Brad Wharton uh, ninety nine problems, but a switch ain't one. I love that. Un- unbelievable. He was unbelievable. a switch. He was a switch. Um, fucking brilliant. Yeah, this I was fight. so impressed. And like there was one point in the fight, like where Hughes, you could see like the pain and like the grit on his face as he was like trying to hook the back of uh, eugenics tie to try and switch again. So uh, amazing fight. And look take nothing away from Jordan Vucenic. Like you can disagree with the decision, but it was such a close fight that there is an argument for Vucenic winning. I don't necessarily agree with it, but there is definitely an argument. Um, mm. Even if, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of going back on my point. Yeah. That, that it's they, it's not that, I don't think it's that there's an argument. I think it's like, it's a really a split one. You know, I had Hughes win and I thought Hughes yeah. won the third as well. I'm really, I, I went back and watched it with a, a fine tooth comb and I thought Hughes won the third as well. But, absolutely not clear second and no. third not clear. And my opinion could change again if i was to watch that yeah, again so like it uh, as we as you know being cage and as well like that's why you want the best judges in the world there because as you said well uh, subjectivity is a word that's bandied around and it's misused and misunderstood but it's done uh, you know judging as a verb as ben cartilage always says to me and the people you have there judging should be the best people in the world who can judge a strike or judge a grappling um, uh, movement or, or judge a, fi- a, a fight that's almost finishing. The people who have the most experience and are the most used to doing it and are the best at doing it. And that's when you get more consistent results in fights like this. Now, if those three lads were there, would they have given a 29-28 Vucinic? I think they absolutely could have because it was one of those fights where it was that close. A, a fantastic display by Vucinic. Like, I thought... I thought he, uh, I know we were all talking about on the Zoom last night, he went over and above, I think, what he has done before. He showed vast improvements, I think, in his ground game and his all-around game. Looked fantastic. And, he, like, watch, going back watching Vucinic, I didn't think he'd, uh, like, I thought Hughes would take care of him pretty easily. No, I don't think Hughes had the best game plan in the world, but I, I still think Vucinic, when it got to the ground and when it got to the area where I thought Hughes would have an advantage, for uh, apart from the end of the first round, I thought he did fantastically. And, like, I didn't think before this fight he'd be a guy who'd be going and maybe winning titles or getting to the UFC, but now I do, and now I really do, and that shows how much I rate Paul Hughes. Well, and like you know, Hughes has had setbacks before, obviously with the broken hands and stuff, never losing a fight, but he can come back from this and he can make him better. I think like a, a big thing for for young fighters, we see a lot. You know, we've talked to Ian Gary and you've talked to Paul Hughes, and I've talked to Paul Hughes and different things, and we talk about how they've de- developed their wrestling and their jujitsu and their you know their all round game. I think developing a strong mindset is right up there with it. I think developing an ability to come back from setbacks is up there with it. And I think developing game plans as well is one thing that people don't, I think, think about enough. You know, I think uh, young in their career, they're, they're developing those skills and then the game planning comes afterwards. If you're in Cage Warriors, you need to, you know, you need to have better game plans immediately, I think. Uh, and, uh, you know, all those things put together makes a great fighter. And, you know, Vucinic, I think he will be a great fighter as well as he progresses. And I think Paul Hughes is the same. So Yeah, a, I think both really have massive ceilings. Um, I, and I think that, as you said there, like kind of coming through adversity and, and having a, a tough mental uh, fortitude, Paul Hughes has shown that at least historically like with the handbrakes like he's come back he was out for two years uh, and like he was told that his fight career was over essentially by doctors until he found one who kind of worked with fighters before and and he was able to kind of work through that and and push through the adversity so like I think that's 
I think this could be the making of him. I think he's he's um, one of those guys who has a tough mindset, and I think well, I would hope that they would they would anyway they would look at this and and just look at maybe the game plan and, and but it's it's tough because like they're they're kind of coming out and saying oh like I won that fight so um, really Is it, are they showing yeah. robbery. Mm, I, I don't know about robbery, but like, yeah, there's there's been a clear message. I think Paul Hughes put out a video last night, and and, and a lot of the comments in I saw on, on like Instagram and the Cage Warriors posts and stuff. Like a lot of people come um, disagreeing with the decision and stuff like that. But um, I I just think that like the way like they there definitely can be game plan adjustments. I think when you look at the work that Hughes was putting him up to, in the lead up to the camp, I think he was probably surprised by how good uh, Vucenic's grappling was. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd say they probably went to this thinking this is more of it. Well, maybe they didn't. I'm sure they planned for all scenarios, but mm-hmm. they had a lot of kind of Muay Thai fighters in and I know he's doing a lot of work with Garrett Smiley. I think he's like UK number seven Muay Thai striker in the UK and things like that. Um, so I would I would guess that they were probably a bit surprised by um, how well um, Vucenic did in the grappling department. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like a, yeah, good, a good fight anyway. Cause I think we might get into it too much, but like, Good fight, a good battle, and uh, three good rounds. So fair, fair play to both lads. Um, Joe McCulgan in against Kieran Lister. You know, we we said it about Joe, and I've said it loads of times. And I caught myself saying it. Something's going to click for Joe someday, and he's going to get a big finish. And this was it. You know, we spoke about it before on the podcast last week. I went back and watched some Kieran Lister fights, and I spoke about it with Brad as well on the preview we did, and said this could be a split decision. You know, this could be three tough rounds of back and forth. And it really wasn't that. You know, Joe McCulgan went out there in the first round and he was just, I thought he was just a better fighter. He was landing the better shots. He was putting him under pressure. Looked really confident, I thought Joe did, in, in a fight where I thought it was going to be, you know, that a close back and forth jabbing battle. And he was, like, he was just a bit more, I thought he was a bit more rough in this fight, which I love. And, and he got the finish, he got the cut. And after the cut, the, the referee looked at it and he got a, a lovely finish there. With the, I know I missed a couple of shots, but the one that ended it, ended it that right hand, I believe it was, was a, a big, big shot and a wonderful performance. Like, it was one of those performances where you might look at it and you go, oh, he's a bit more scrappy than usual. And he's not maybe throwing as many, like, nice technical jabs and straight. But I think that's good for Joe McCulgan. Like, I, I think if you can add the two of those things together in the future... That makes an even better fighter, and adding that bit of that bit of uh, s- steals wrong, or a bit, a bit of a I don't know what the word is. But it's just uh, a killer instinct. Yeah, I thought that yeah, he had there that was lovely. maybe missing. Mm-hmm. Um, like Joe, I was so impressed by Joe McCoggan in this fight, and look, I've I've interviewed Joe a number of times, so I'm sure there's just some inherent bias there and things like that. But oh, I really friend. do think that was. <laughs> I really do think that was the best. Um, I thought it was the best performance of his career. I thought, as you said, like there was just a killer instinct that maybe had been maybe not completely lacking but like it just it was the first finish of his career like Joe's always had a kind of slick boxing and like he's pieced lads up on the feet before but he just looked he looked dangerous in this one like his every shot seemed to land that was hurting uh, Kieran Lister um and yeah, like it's just what a way to rebound from that Mason Jones loss. Like that was a pretty devastating knockout um when he was fighting for the title and like I know that he he spoke to me in our interview that he needed to kind of pick himself back up and then after he got the win there he went over to the camera and, and um, basically just gave, gave a message to his wife um, and just about thanking her for for basically building him back up after the loss so like what a way to rebound and it puts him right back up there in the lightweight division like uh, the thing with Cage Warriors is like a loss well it's not great and all these divisions are, are relatively shallow because fighters move on and it's it's a, a transitionary promotion really because mm-hmm. the goal is to the UFC but it's, it's 
he's right back in there and I think like there's a Paddy Pimlet fight there uh, if he's not fighting for a title like I think that's a a fantastic fight to make next I'd love to see the Pimlet fight next I don't know maybe he'll go up against uh, um, against um, Aggie Sardari for the title next but I mean there's there's other fights there there's Donovan Desme as well so I think Joe's probably one fight away again one win away from potentially another title shot in Cage Warriors so like 34 years old I had written previously uh, prior to the fight that it was going to now or never and if he is to make a push and, and, and move on and maybe try to get a title or or move to the UFC or at some point it's now or never and and uh, he really delivered like what a better way to do that than a first round KO like absolutely blown away by that performance yeah really 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 good brilliant performance um Will Curry and Christian Duncan also got wins here, and we didn't see them because we were fucking drinking pints. And I was in yeah, Will Curry's one to watch. He's uh, a yeah, Jimmy Manuel protege, so mm. check out his fights next. Very, but very uh, yeah, and then we had obviously Ian Gary, who went in there and he went for a takedown early against Lawrence Tracy. Lawrence did a good job of of stuffing it and cutting him with a few knees in the head. Uh, it looked like, although it was a weird angle, maybe he didn't catch him, but um, I thought Tracy did well to, to stuff that. Uh, but then Gary kind of came out and landed his shots. Um, you know, look look slick, look good in there. Didn't really take any shots. The fight obviously got to where it got towards the end and he started landing some big... Uh, el- or throwing some big elbows anyway. I, like, I, I think it was... Uh, it reached the stage where Tracy wasn't fighting back, so, you know, I can't give out about the stoppage too much. But, like, I don't know how many of them actually land. I, I look, it was only going one way. Gary, it was a completely outmatched Lawrence Tracy. Gary was just a different level. But I don't know about the stoppage. I thought it was a little bit, a little bit early. But look, it, it was it was that fight. And I talked to Gary during the week, and he didn't. It was one of those fights. He didn't really even want to talk about it. He was like, "Let's just get in there, do the job, and then move on to the next one." I think like he knew he was going to win. Everyone knew he was going to win. Lawrence Tracy probably knew he was going to win. Uh, and he, you know, he did win, and he won impressively. You know, it was again another performance where you look at Ian Gary and you go, "How far can he go?" And do you know what? I like this sort of fight because it gives him time to improve before it. He'll go into another fight and it'll give him time to improve before that fight as well. And maybe he'll be able to spend you know more time in the gym. And he we t- he talked about traveling around as well to different gyms, uh, which maybe with the coronavirus and on the way down, hopefully you now in the next six months or a year, uh, he'll be able to do that as well. So, you know. Ian Gary, it's funny, I'm doing the Severe prospect list as well, and he won it last year. And I I kind of, the, the unwritten rule I had, which might actually become a written rule, was five fights or less for emerging prospect of the year. But, like, Ian Gary has to be up there for fighter of the year as well, but I don't think I'm going to include him in that. I don't, I think he's still in the prospect, and he's probably going to run away with the emerging prospect of the year again this year, which is a weird thing. Probably shouldn't be able to win that two years in a row. I might have to bring in an Ian Gary rule to do that, but... Uh, you, you were impressed, obviously, as well, with, with Ian Gary last night, and it's uh, a brilliant performance by him. Yeah, very, very impressed. Um, I think you said it all there, and look, Ian said it that he this wasn't the opponent that he wanted. He's he was looking for kind of a stiffer competition or, or fighters or a fighter with a better record um, to go up against. And look, I think he's kind of making himself undeniable once you get a few wins in cage wars, as I said, but with kind of they're not the deepest division. So um, at a certain point, you're going to have to be fighting the top guys. So um, uh, at some stage, they, the matchmaking should get easier. So maybe uh, a title on the nine next. I mean, there's there's who Adam Proctor out there. Um, I know Aaron Khaled lost his fight last night, but I'd like to see that fight maybe um, next for Ian Gary. I, I think then, the lad who beat Aaron Khaled would be better to detail in that. Yeah, yeah, I could do that too. Yeah, yeah, coming off a win as well. Um, but like, so there's definitely this fight. There's fights out there, and I mean, you could. I mean. I, <laughs> 
I don't think a win over Lawrence Tracy should really justify a title shot, but at the same time, there's no champion right now. Um, the Figlak uh, win was really good, like before. Yeah, that, especially yeah. since the way Figlak's looked since then. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I could I could definitely see Ian Gary in a, in a cage where his title fight next. Um, and like, it's not his fault that he he can only fight who's put in front of him. So mm-hmm. he's going in there. I thought that there were there was some adversity I thought he got like kind of tied up in like a front headlock and then there was a couple of knees and stuff but he was very composed very patient and just kind of worked his way out of those positions and then just absolutely dominated once he mm-hmm. once he got the fight to where he wanted it so um, yeah very very impressive again for me and Gary and, and I can't wait to see his next one yeah looking forward to that um Right, so the, the other two Cage Warriors cards, we, myself and Jake both did podcasts on Patreon, so we'll run through them very quickly here, because this podcast is going to be eight hours, otherwise I'm going to miss the Ireland final. Um, Cage Warriors 118, Natalia Frederick, just an animal, just a, an absolute beast. I wax lyrical on that podcast I did with Jake, got a great win over Richardson, Leonardo Damani beat Aaron Khalid, Matt Bonner and Matt Inman, but on a, a good fight, uh, like I'd love to see Inman back in there again after three years out, I don't think it was his best performance ever um, Flaminas versus Stanton was good Decky McElean, have to shout out Decky, fantastic performance here outweighed by seven pounds after Vintry missed weight, uh, lost the first round and he came back and he got the rear naked choke uh, in the in the second round I know you spoke to Decky before the fight, Andy. What a performance this was by Decky. Performance of his career, best win of his career, I'd say, and onwards and upwards for, for Decky. Were you impressed by it too? Yeah, so impressed. Um, I, I wasn't really expect. I didn't expect Ventre to come out and kind of immediately shoot. Yeah, me too. Um, I, was, I thought I'd see the fight play out a bit more on the feet. Um, because like we were, everyone was kind of hyping up beforehand. It's like, oh, this is going to be fight of the night. And I don't think it really lived up to that. But I mean, wow, what what a performance by Decky McAleen. And we, um, I was kind of saying like in the first round that the the problem with Decky's kind of um his confidence in his grounded attacks from off his back is that Venture basically just had him on his back and was landing damage. So while Decky was looking for subs in the first round, he wasn't getting them and, and he was um, enduring um, damage from, from Venture's top position. So uh, that was a risk. However, I spoke to Decky after the fight and he actually popped his rib um, oh, last really? Thursday, a Thursday before. Uh, so about like, like t- uh, a week before or, or eight days before so he was saying that like he didn't want to explode out so he was kind of happy to just keep him in his guard attack when he could and then when it was safe to get up he'd do that rather than trying to explode up so that kind of makes a lot of a lot more sense mm. now knowing that um but wow what a what a finish in the second round mm. uh he's just so da- he's dangerous on the feet he's dangerous on the ground um and look it's it's a bit it's a good win like adam ventry has been around a long long time um i know he came in overweight and and, and he's kind of been up and down but like it's, it's he's a name in cage wars he's he's a veteran of cage wars so that's a solid win and it really um it positions decky nicely to to start calling for maybe the, the bigger names in the division now yeah very really good win really good performance and uh, andrew mcgann jiu-jitsu win <laughs> winning win the winning the way again um liam gittins look really good josh reed if you fight josh reed it's just going to be a fun fight uh, a really good win there for Liam Gittins. Steve Amy will look fantastic uh, knocking out uh, Tom Mearns in that fight. Ben Ellis, I think Jay called him the, the Welsh Habib, uh, 3-0 now, and just a dominant wrestler. Nathan Fletcher as well, uh, a really good win there over Lee Mitchell. Dinner Cage Warriors, one one seven. Jake Hadley looked absolutely fantastic, absolutely destroyed Luke Shanks. I think he won, what was it, 50-43 on one card, if I'm not mistaken, just are maybe 50-44 but absolutely destroyed Luke Shanks over five rounds after Luke Shanks did the exact same thing in his last fight so really fantastic the first two rounds were close no oh god I can't remember now so many fucking fights ago 
yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm kind of that's what I'm trying to remember myself. I, I thought the first two rounds were relatively close, like, um, but then he really just took over. Oh, oh yeah, they were terror. actually, yeah, yeah, they were, they yeah, were closer. Yeah. And I had the great idea way before Sean Sheen of uh, Jake Hadley versus um, Jack Hartwright. Jack Hartwright, yeah, yeah. great fight. I love that fight. Uh, Sam Creasy again. I hate Sam Creasy's nickname is the worst nick. Sam Uri Creasy. I hate it. It's the worst fucking nickname ever. But anyway, he looked. Uh, as my fucking computer decides up there. He looked uh, really good against Adam. I'm a singer. Uh, some people call it nearly stoppage. I thought it was good. I, I thought I'm a singer got hurt and he wasn't defending himself for a couple of shots. And I think that's enough. Uh, Michele Mattagnoni got a lovely finish over our uh, unanimous decision. Sorry, over uh, Wesley Maya. Medi Bin Lactor looked fantastic again. Lovely left hook finish. Savage. Savage. Brilliant. I wouldn't mind seeing that rematch with him and Joel Cotton McCulligan as well. That was a draw the last time. Let's make that. Or Decky McAleena versus Yeah, yeah exactly. Decky and Medi. Brilliant fight. Uh, Aiden Steven looked really good. You know, it shows how good Paul Hughes is as well. And it shows how good Vucinic is as well. Um, got a really good win over Imre Samnez. Um, uh, Mikel Figlak. They have him down as Mike Figlak here on, on top of yeah. uh, Beat uh, Anthony O'Connor. Like, Figlak is really good at 155 as well. You know, he could be someone to give to Decky as well next. You know, and that's a big fight. And that's a good fight as well. That's a good fight. Uh, that's, and Aaron Cullen got a, a win over Oscar Unsworth. Right. We have, we're a fucking miles into this fucking podcast. Um, one or two things I just have to mention. Rumble, Johnson, gone to Bellator. And fair, fair play to Cage Warriors put on a three brilliant cards. One thing I loved, actually, before we move on. Um, one thing myself and Jake were talking about criticizing. I know you were talking about as well. They didn't, the wins, they didn't show them live and stuff. They need to do that. But one thing I love from Cage Warriors, the first main card of this week, they came out and talked about uh, Leila and Ali was there with Graham Boylan. They talked about the COVID protocols. They talked about what testing they were doing and, you know, their actual bubble that they've tried to, to do. Love that. I think every promotion needs to do that in this time for the next few months. And for the last year they should, or eight months or whatever it's been, they should have all been doing that. Um, and Bellator have done it a bit as well, so credit to them. But I think the UFC need to do that in other places as well. But fair play to Cage Warriors. They did a great job. Rumble to Bellator. Um, it's an odd one because Dana White was like saying, "Oh, I wanted to keep him," and there's reasons, and there's like, what reasons is there? Like Dana's just trying to make people wildly speculate and say bad things about Rumble and be like, "Oh, you sad or oh, you know, he he couldn't beat fighters in the UFC or whatever it was." But I I like I like Rumble the Bellator. You know, he when he was in the PFL or the World Series of Fighting at the time, he had lots of fun fights. And Rumble is one of those guys, if you put him in there with lads, he'll knock out. It's always going to be fun. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Rumble in there. And as well, the UFC lawsuit this week, uh, it has been given the class action um, uh, fucking uh, name. So the U- this is a thing that could go on for a long time. It could be, I think it's up to $1.6 billion. Um, so basically what it was it's Kung Lee and all those other guys taking this lawsuit that the UFC have underpaid and I'm no expert in this so we might get uh, someone to talk about in the future but they've underpaid the fighters for years so it's everyone who's either fought in America or is an American fighter fighting in America uh, they will be getting extra money if the UFC lose this lawsuit now this lawsuit could go on for fucking a decade or five years or three years or whatever because the UFC are going to fight this tooth and nail but this is a huge thing because if the UFC lose this lawsuit and end up losing like 1.2 billion or 1.4 billion or whatever it might be 
it could have big ramifications for not only the UFC but the sport itself. So this is a huge thing to keep an eye on. And Paul Gift and John Nash and Eric McGracken over on Twitter, the three people I would follow, and there's probably a couple more as well that I'm not thinking of. But follow follow those lads uh, on Twitter and get updates from them because this is a big big story and you need to keep an eye on this. So uh, yeah. That's that. Wonder Boys fighting next week as well, and we will do a podcast on that and talk about it more. But for today, we have run out of time. Andy, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, tell tell the people where to follow you, and I know you love your Instagram and stuff. And have you any TikTok or anything like that before we go? What's a TikTok? What TikTok? A TikTok. Do you like TikTok? I'm a savage. I do. I love TikTok. Um, yeah, follow me on uh, Andy Stevenson MMA on Instagram and Andy Stee One Two Three on Twitter. And yeah. Yeah. Or don't. If you don't feel like it, just don't. That's a very my pod, Sean Chihimbia. I said today as we were doing this podcast, we'll do a tight 45 minutes. And now it's 86 well, minutes. Have, uh, so yeah, Sean Chihimbia on Twitter. I still don't feel awake. So much MMA this week. My me God. neither. Me neither. And Clan Wars happened too. That Clan happened Wars, yeah. I, I was actually... I was, talking to, uh, I was talking to Richard Kiley last night. He said there was two really good knockout quick finishes. Was it Josh Green? Was that one of them I think I saw? I'm not sure. I, w- I wondered if... Um, did um what's his it was name? one of Will Flurry's uh, Will Flurry was cornering some lad like oh, oh, yeah. fuck I need to find the what's, name what's um, your man's name oh god what's what's his name the, the like the best KKO. Irish prospect from uh, SPG Charlestown what's his oh, name oh uh, Jerry Harris Jerry Harris did he win last night I wonder Actually, oh I need to see I'm gonna I'm gonna go and watch the card later yeah. on today I think okay and give us live updates give us a few tweets about yeah. uh, there's been twenty five thousand cards on this week yeah, so there's a lot of it's tough to get them all. Okay, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, head on over to manscaped.com uh, and use the promo code SEVEREMAY, 20% off, and go to Joe and Seth's as well. Use the code SEAN10, get 10% off. Lovely gourmet popcorn uh, over there. So do that. You'll be helping us out. You'll be helping yourself out. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. No inspiration quote of the week because I only do that for Graham because he deserves it because he, he know he needs it because he's such a tough fucking prick. Anyway, good luck. <laughs> I don't know why I just attacked Graham there towards the end of the podcast. I love you, Graham. Uh, Sean's an asshole. Yeah. Merry love Christmas. You, Up Limerick. Hopefully by the time everyone's listening to this, Limerick will have one day All-Ireland, but... On Waterford. Fuck you. Fuck you. Anyway, Up, Up Limerick. Yeah, what are Waterford? What's their nickname? The Dacia. On the Dacia. Up the treaty. Big, big gaff on. Good luck, on, everyone. Gaff. Merry Christmas. <laughs>